This podcast of Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by BASF. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for letting us be part of your day. Today, we're going to focus on flooding and recovery efforts in three states, Nebraska, Iowa, and Missouri. We're going to be talking with the Executive Vice President for the Nebraska Cattlemen's. We'll talk with the President of the Missouri Farm Bureau, and we'll talk with the Iowa Secretary of Agriculture. Get updates from those three states and uh, the recovery efforts that are underway. And we'll start off on that topic as well. Joining us now is Susan Littlefield, Farm Director for KRVN Rural Radio Network in Nebraska. Susan, thank you for being with us. Uh, What's the latest? What can you uh, tell us as far as an update in your state? Well, it is going to be interesting once again. They're talking more rain moving through our area over the next week or so, anywhere from an inch to two inches, not what our producers want to hear. And they're also now starting, Mike, to focus on the snow melts to the western part as those will start moving through the waters. And let's just add to it, this is also National or Severe Weather Awareness Week in the state of Nebraska. So we've got all this weather stuff we're talking about to prepare us for what normally comes in the next couple of weeks. So where are you at as far as um, road access and transportation, just being able to get around in the state? Well, you know, it's gotten better. You know, last time when we talked, we had over 1,500 miles that were inaccessible due to the roadways um, being underwater or completely destroyed. At this point, there is less than 300 miles statewide. The railroads have been working 24-7. At one point, uh, they counted a mile and a half to almost two miles worth of dump trucks lined up with rocks to get the infrastructure rebuilt on these railways that were completely washed out, get the beds set so they can start moving trains. And I was in Columbus yesterday, and it was the strangest feeling because there were no trains moving through. And they have 70-plus trains go through there a day, and it was kind of that eerie quiet. Uh, Producers are finding unique ways to get out and about. Um, Our Ag Park, Platte County's Ag Park, has been one of the drop-off sites, and you get to see the, the helicopters and the work that the National Guard has been doing to help move hay out to these cattle that are still on uncrossable roads or in very isolated areas where they can't get the feed to them. The cattle are getting hungry. You know, this is, you know, a week and a half, almost two weeks post-out of flooding when it started. And so it's pretty cool to see these Chinook helicopters um, being able to bring big round bales and and feed the cattle out in those remote areas. So... uh Farmers dealing with, we see these pictures, these grain bins collapsing and, you know, now all this spoiled grain. Uh, any thought of what's going to happen with that? What, what can they do with that? Well, at this point, there it's, it's a wait and see on this grain. Um, there was yesterday a roundtable discussion with Undersecretary Iba, uh, Governor Ricketts, and other folks from the Department of Roads, Department of Agriculture. And at this point, it's a wait and see. They don't have any assistance right now for these grain producers, but the grain's going to have to be tested to see how wet it is, if it's salvageable, if they can get it taken in, if they can even get it off the farm because of roads being washed out. But that's the biggest concern as they have taken in the water and as the grain expands. And some, it's literally popping the sides of these grain bins and and spilling the grain out. So it is going to take testing. It's going to take time, just like everything else. It's not happening, um, unfortunately, overnight. And the cleanup process and, and knowing that 
if they want to feed the grain even to their livestock, they've got to do some testing on it because we don't want to feed anything that's moldy or, or spoiling at any rate to those animals because then we've got the ill effects added to that. We're talking with Susan Littlefield, Farm Director for KRVN Rural Radio Network in Nebraska. Susan, uh, on the areas that the water has receded, what do those fields look like? What's been left on those fields from the flooding? A lot of silt, a lot of just leftovers, uh, the mud, uh, trees. They've seen pieces of, of farm buildings, roofs, whatever those floodwaters carry through. And unfortunately, they're seeing a lot of lost livestock as well. As guys are getting out there and they're cleaning up their fence lines, they're moving trees out of the middle of their field where they can access them because it's still very muddy and very silty. And But they know that they need to get the stuff cleaned out so hopefully we can get planting in the next month or so. The biggest concern, though, has been these livestock. I spoke with the emergency management director in Platte County, and he gave me a, a pinpoint from one town to the next, and there was anywhere between 600 and 1,000 cattle that they had found that had perished. And it's trying to identify who those cattle belong to and then to get the rendering trucks in there so they can remove the cattle so they can keep things as healthy as possible because there is concerns about, you know, the waters that are moving through, the, the creeks that are still flowing, and what type of contamination is taking place. Yeah, and as you mentioned, with more rain coming and more water coming, uh, that's going to make it even harder in these recovery efforts. What are, uh, You mentioned some of the, the hay lifts that are going on. Any, any other assistance efforts uh, underway that we should know about? Well, there has been. There's some, been some great work by folks. Uh, we have seen, uh, well, John Deere, the John Deere dealerships here in Nebraska, a large group of them came together and made a $60,000 donation to help out ag producers. Um, they're offering the use of equipment to help move in the cleanup efforts. We've seen other groups that have stepped up. Uh, Thriving is matching uh, a dollar for every $2 donated to a group that they've listed. They'll match up to $250,000. We have Larry the Cable Guy that said he's going to give all the proceeds from an upcoming show back to the Nebraska relief efforts. We had Justin Timberlake did the same thing just this past weekend when he performed in Omaha. So we've got folks, big and small donations that are coming through. Uh, good friends of mine from out east, uh, the Beekman Boys, Josh and Brent, who have a very farm to consumer-based company, have donated 500 packets of their biodegradable wipes to, to farmers and flood folks so they can kind of clean themselves up as needed, because we all know that kind of gets put on the back burner as well as they're trying to get the farms all put back together. So folks are helping in any way, shape they can, from obviously the hay donations to, to food donations to the Nebraska Pork Producers. Nebraska Farm Bureau has been doing these pop-up sites. They were in North Bend, and yesterday in Columbus, they're headed up towards the Fullerton area today, Mike, and they're literally bringing out the grills, and they're cooking pork loins for folks to come in and have a great pork sandwich and, and enjoy some time, some fellowship, some relaxation before they get back to cleanup efforts. Well, as we, we so often see uh, in, in, in times of disaster and stress like this, especially in rural America, you see people come together and reach out and help one another. It sounds like that's definitely going on uh, right now in Nebraska. Oh, it definitely is. And, and what, what's very warming is the fact that you know, they've had such a focus on, on helping these livestock producers, whether it was hay or fencing equipment or coming in and helping them cleaned up. But people are taking it one more step, and they're working to take care of those producers. I mean, they're just reaching out to say, 
how are you doing? Not how is your farm doing? How is your ranch doing? How many cattle did you lose? It's how are you doing? How are you feeling today? What can I do to help relieve some of the stress that you may have at this moment? So it's, you know, pulling them up by the bootstraps and moving forward, and we'll be with them till you know, the cleanup efforts are completely done and beyond. All right, Susan, thank you for taking time to be with us for the update. We appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for all your thoughts and prayers. It's much appreciated. Susan Littlefield, Farm Director for KRVN Rural Radio Network in Nebraska. She talked about the uh, the hay lifts and the efforts to help with the livestock in Nebraska. We'll talk with Pete McClimate, Executive Vice President for Nebraska Cattlemen's, coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. You want to make the most of your wheat crop's yield potential. BASF has a full portfolio of fungicides to help, starting with Preaxor brand fungicide. It gives you early to mid-season disease control, stress protection, and improved growth efficiency, which you need for higher yields. Now combine that with Nexacor Zemian brand fungicide for early to mid-season applications, and you've got disease control that helps deliver healthier, greener leaves longer. And more green means more photosynthesis more grain mass, and potential yield. Now add in Caramba brand fungicide, and you're getting best-in-class head scab suppression plus control of late-season foliar diseases. That gives you a yield advantage over infected wheat acres that are left untreated. The fact is with Preaxor fungicide, Nexacor fungicide, and Caramba fungicide all, all together, together in one portfolio, portfolio you're, you're covered, covered all the way through harvest. harvest. That's a, a winning, winning combination. combination. For more, ask your BASF representative. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we continue our updates on the flood conditions and recovery efforts in states of Nebraska, Missouri, and Iowa. Focusing now on Nebraska, joining us is Pete McClimate, he is Executive Vice President for Nebraska Cattlemen's. Pete, thanks for being back with us. Uh, what's the latest you can give us from a livestock perspective in Nebraska? Well, it's always difficult to assess how much loss there's been out of there because in this case there's still uh, numerous people and operators, producers out there that are still having trouble getting to their livestock. We know of some instances where the only way to get feed to the cattle is having it airdropped by our Air National Guard here, so we're, we're very appreciative of what the state's doing in that. But uh, So we've had wonderful offers from an ethanol company wanting to donate $50,000 of goods um, to producers, but at the end of the day, those needing it are, you know, in a tough spot to receive it because the roads are so washed out. So we're still in the assessment mode. Uh, we're down to only, uh, I think, 285 roads that are still closed, or 285 miles. And last week, there was over 1,300 miles of roads that were closed in the state. So this will be a long road to get back to where we were beforehand. You know, that's a point uh, we need to emphasize. We have a lot of people I know wanting to help and uh, uh willing to help but even if there's whether it's hay or supplies whatever it is as you point out getting it to the people that need it where they need it that's a challenge and in some cases folks still waiting for waters to recede right 
correct. So the state and federal highways uh, bridges uh, that are damaged, there are 16 of those. 13 of them are either damaged or completely washed out, and three of them, the approaches, have washed out. So the bridge is intact, but getting from the land and the bank to the bridge has to be repaired. So our Department of Roads is doing an excellent job of getting uh, out there, listening to folks. So that's really been appreciative. But I went to an event last night of at our Platte Valley Cattlemen in Columbus, Nebraska, that was hard hit. And just driving down Highway 30 and looking at the county roads that approach Highway 30, there were some that had two foot, three foot uh, ruts in there, and those roads are damaged and have cannot be passable at this time. So it uh, it's a wet spring. It was a wet winter, and so hopefully we can get some Mother Nature out there drying to help us on the rebuild. But I understand you have more rain on the way this week. Yes, uh, today's beautiful out, and I think tomorrow it's actually going to be 70 degrees, so that's very helpful. And another thing, we don't want to lose sight and forget our valued producers and members out in western Nebraska that were hard hit by the uh, blizzard conditions that they suffered, so a lot of calves lost in that. Uh, Governor Ricketts is flying out to Shadron tomorrow to speak with the people directly to make sure that those folks aren't lost in our thoughts and needs for them to start over as well. Yeah, the uh, this situation is widespread throughout your state. We're talking with Pete McClymont. He's Executive Vice President, Nebraska Cattlemen's. Pete, uh, it's just hard to imagine. Uh, I think uh, I know a lot of people's hearts are breaking just the thoughts of the loss of all those uh, uh, all the cattle, the calves, just having basically wash away and drown. It's just, uh, it's just a, a heartbreaking uh, situation that people are dealing with. And uh, uh, as you mentioned, they're they're still trying to find them in some cases, get to them in other cases. Uh, what are besides the hay lift dropping it by helicopter? What else is being done or can be done? So we are truly amazed by the amount of uh, letters with people making uh, donations to the Nebraska Cattlemen Disaster Relief Fund. We get a stack of about two inches thick every day here for the last five, six days of people that are benevolent and care about us here. And so one of the things that we're doing for our members, and I would encourage anybody that uh, wants to learn more, but also those in Nebraska that are negatively impacted, to go to our website, nebraskacattlemen.org, because we've put the resources in there from a federal level, from a state level, FSA, anything that can help direct somebody to address a demand, uh, a negative impact that they've occurred. So that's one thing that uh, my staff has just done a terrific job to help folks in need to find good resources. Then longer term, Pete, things like fencing and things like that, that's going to be kind of a the, the, a next step in all this. True, and so you're getting uh, lots of folks around the country that are, are presenting offers of fence, hay, fencing supplies, and so that's important. But as with any flood, you're going to have uh, the de- deposit of silt, sand that may be on your property that you obviously never had before. So just the cleanup to be in a position to rebuild fences is going to take some time. So we told FEMA 10 days ago that, you know, in a tornado and a hurricane, 
literally within a few days you can assess the damage, but this could be at least 60 days before people are in a spot to rebuild. So to quantify it is hard, and uh, the people that have the ability to help us, the federal and state folks, uh, we're just trying to let them know that we need to have some patience as we try to get through this. And uh, people want to help, and that's great, but it's going to be unfortunately long. And as you pointed out, your the uh, the situation is pretty tough statewide. Varying conditions, various various levels of uh, of disaster that uh, uh, folks have been dealing with for quite some time, actually. So that was a great thing. Yesterday, we hosted uh, the governor of the state, Pete Ricketts, along with his agency heads, as well as FSA, with all the ag groups, and the media was there, and so. From that standpoint, we were able to get some new understanding that FSA is considering from our FSA State Technical Committee. So this is now being considered as an event. So the tough conditions leading up to what happened uh, 13 days ago is now going back to the weeks beforehand. So if a rancher had uh, terrible calving conditions coupled with the extreme cold and then possibly losing losing calves and then the negative health impacts on those animals that they are considering that those dates prior to the big event will be considered as an option for how producers can submit their losses, which is terrific news because it is truly, truly a weather event that had the exclamation point 13 days ago. So uh, we're really happy to hear that from FSA. And as you point out, this is going to be a long-term recovery, but there are day-to-day needs that have to be met as well. True, and so our State Department of Environmental Quality Director Jim Macy said yesterday that there are resources there from the state and EPA for those that have had, say, their well water impacted negatively from the flooding, that if it's compromised, so you can get a water testing kit from our DEQ agency to test your water to see if what you have is drinkable. If not, obviously bottled water is always a wonderful resource for people that simply have to have drinking water. So you don't think of those things. You think about the obvious, what you can see, but there are the, you know, the fallout of how it negatively impacts human life as well as animals. Yeah, for a while I know because of the transportation challenges, it was hard for s- supplies to get to stores. Has is, is that situation uh, uh, eased somewhat? Yes, it's helpful. Uh, one of the challenges are the communities that have been most negatively impacted in the far north central, Verdigree, Lynch. So, number one, they're not next to uh, trading centers, uh, regional hubs for communities to get things. So, to get things to them because, A, the roads are the most uh, adversely affected, uh, coupled with just the, the time to get it there. So, you know, those folks need help right away. And so the Nebraska Emergency Management Agency is doing a great job of, of getting resources out to those people. And every county has a has an emergency management hotline. And so we're directing people, if you have immediate needs, Uh, No matter what you think, the severity, please call those numbers because that will help you get the the needs addressed as as quick as possible. 
All right, Pete. Well, thanks for taking time for the uh, the update for us. And in a few days, we'll get back in touch with you and uh, and get the very latest. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Pete McClymont, Executive Vice President, Nebraska Cattlemen's. Is uh, Nebraska really hard hit? Other states are as well. Uh, Missouri, especially the northwest part of Missouri, uh, dealing with a lot of uh, flooding issues and concerns over levees, things like that. Blake Hurst, President, Missouri Farm Bureau, joins us next. Stay with us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Throughout soybean farming regions, growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide from BASF. They know it's the most flexible and advanced solution of its kind for tough weed control, especially resistant weeds. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee. And this year, you can tap into our expanded season-long Grow Smart Rewards program. Get cash back for making the best agronomic game plan with Ingenia Herbicide and BASF's leading portfolio of soybean solutions. Want stronger performance and profits together with peace of mind? Go to IngeniaHerbicide.com to learn more. Grow Smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, we've had updates now on the situation in Nebraska. Let's turn to the state of Missouri. Missouri Farm Bureau President Blake Hurst joins us. Blake, thanks for being with us. So what's the latest, especially in that northwest part of the state of Missouri? Well, we're uh, still underwater. Um, the uh, interstate that runs through our area, I-29, is closed. Uh, essentially from St. Joseph to Omaha. Um, we're seeing a little improvement, I think, on the north end of the reach where the flooding is. But it's just there, Mike, and it's going to be there for weeks and probably months, and it is a mess. Uh, the, 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 the crest has moved past Kansas City now, uh, but it basically is levee high uh, east of Kansas City. People are sandbagging, and uh, it is just... There is just no way of predicting whether those levees are going to hold or not. So it is a serious situation, and it's continuing. You know, I, I talked about this yesterday. It, it's amazing. A lot of people don't think about it, especially in, in the middle of the country, how basically uh, you can be caught in an island. You can be surrounded by water and not be able to get out. And uh, and we, we take for granted transportation, but uh, we're seeing ca- many cases in this flood where it's just cut off. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it, it, you're exactly right. People are are uh, are just unable to go where they normally go, and and it's uh, quite a bit of people commute across that bottom. Either live in Missouri, work in Nebraska, or vice versa. They're trying to find places to stay uh, so they can get to work on time. We actually have a uh, a lady that works at the local hospital, staying in a house that was my wife's parents' house staying there because her commute has gone from, you know, 45 minutes to a couple, three hours. Uh, it is a tremendous uh, burden, not only, of course, on the people that are lost green bins and homes, uh, but just everybody in the area. It's a mess. 
Okay, you talked about the levees, and we know how important the levee system is to, to rule America. Uh, some of those levees uh, have been breached. Others, as you said, are, are under a tremendous pressure, being threatened. Um, what is that situation? Uh, you said sandbagging is going on. I know, uh, uh, are there some in, in more danger than others, or, or what is the, what's your assessment? Well, we're seeing sandbagging down, oh, sort of Saline County, Carroll County, in that area. Uh, but the but in Ashton and Holt County, almost every levee has been breached. Uh, several of them breached multiple times. We really are looking at hundreds of millions of dollars to repair the levees, and then I even begin to think about the cleanup, uh, sand deposits, trash. Um, you know, face, my Facebook feed is full of pictures of of uprooted trees laying on the interstate and then just trash everywhere. It is a, and of course, then we've got millions of bushels of grain that are. Um, surround in the water uh, will have to be destroyed. Um, it, it is a, it's just a disaster that's just hard to describe. Yeah, when you, I've been thinking a lot about that spoiled grain uh, sitting there soaked. These bins collapsed. Uh, what what do you do with that? Well, I don't. You know, it's going to have to be destroyed. It's it, it just, um, you know, the, the the water that's coming through there is is contaminated. The the grain's rotting. Um, uh, those of us that have, those of us that have stepped in a in a handful of soybeans that have been spilled outside a bin uh, and rained on a time or two, just imagine the smell. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I mean that's a small thing compared to all the other problems we're facing. But uh, we get a good hundred degree day in July, and it's going to be kind of kind of a challenge just to work around it. I'll tell you that. And Blake, even when the waters recede, as you mentioned, I mean those fields, it take a it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of time to get them ready to plant. Yeah, I was talking to a farmer or heard an interview with a farmer who lives a few miles west of me. He said they had fields that they literally were just now uh, getting back to full production after the 2011 flood, eight years later, and here we go again. We're talking to Blake Hurst, president of Missouri Farm Bureau. Blake, um, are there any questions being asked about how the core handled the water flow leading up to this uh any uh concerns about that well there's uh yeah obviously there's concerns there's people that are are uh, uh there are concerns uh you know and when we get into these things and we everybody looks backwards as well we should have done this we should have done that i think that i had a questioner uh yesterday in the interview i was doing was just because of climate change and, you know, in the final analysis, whether it's because of mistakes by the core or climate change or an act of God, the one thing we know for sure is that these floods are happening more often and they're more severe when they do happen. So we have to get a new plan. Uh, so I don't, think it, I don't think it does a whole lot of good to look backwards. What we've got to look forward, forward to is increasing flood storage in the reservoirs. That's a, man, that's a decision. We decide how much... We decide how many feet of flood storage we want there to start the spring flooding season with. That's got to be increased. We've got to look at uh, making sure the river channel is clean. We've got big deposits in places along the river, uh, much less uh, channel than we had maybe 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, we've got levees that we always repair them right back where they were again. Well, hey, guess what? If we build a levee that failed in 2011 and 2018 or 2019, it just may be that that levee is not big enough. And so uh, we've got to improve the system. So uh, I guess our focus is going to be talking about changes that will make the future safer uh, for people that live along the, the river. 
and, and, and we'll have the same argument we always have about how, well, gosh, if we, if we did away with the levees, we'd have small floods and wouldn't have big ones. But we have made the decision to manage the river. We built those reservoirs. We've got the system in place. We've got interstates. We've got pipelines. We've got railroads running up and down that river. We've got thousands of people who live there, uh, farm there, work there. Uh, we've made the decisions that we're going to protect those bottoms. Now we need to make the decision to do it effectively. Yeah, management is the key there, and even though you're looking ahead, there are lessons to be learned from the past, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the lesson learned is what we're doing now isn't working. I mean, you know, we've all heard the, the, we've all heard the, uh, the old saw that, you know, keep doing the same thing and expect different results is insanity. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we can at this point all agree that prior river management has been insane, and we got to fix it. You know, there there'll be different things coming out. Maybe Congress passes something, and you know, USDA has programs. States have some things. Some of that takes time. Uh, but as you said, we also have to not just recover, but prepare for this to happen again in the future. And uh, I, I think the model, as you said, has been flawed, and that we we try to get back to where we were, and obviously that's not enough. But uh, to get that commitment to take the next step to go beyond where you've been. That's where it gets tough. Well, it does because there's a, there's a um, there's a, there is a, this is a long-standing uh, disagreement between people um, more concerned perhaps about the environment than than they are the people who live there. Uh, we all have chosen upsides in that argument, and it's been going on for thirty or forty years. But this is worse. Uh, this is worse than it has been. It's happening more often. And when I say we can't look back, I mean, it doesn't really matter why we made the decisions we made in the past, but but we've got lives to protect, we've got property to protect, and we've got to figure out how to do it the right way. And so so we're going to be, uh, you know, as farmers, as Farm Bureau members, uh, we're going to be talking about that every time we get the chance because we cannot, we cannot continue to treat people, <laughs> our neighbors, like this. We cannot continue to, to allow them to lead the lives of, of, of just fear of that river that they've had over the past couple of decades. We just can't. We've got to fix it. I know a lot of sandbaggings going on, other efforts there in the northwest Missouri to help out. Uh, all Anyone that can help, that, that helps appreciate it and need it, right? Oh, yeah. We're, uh, you know, we've set up a fund, MOFB.org. I know Nebraska Farm Bureau's done the same. Uh, the local uh, Ashland and Holt are the two counties most directly affected in northwest Missouri. They have an emergency management uh, group and, and recovery group. Uh, we're collecting money for, you know, cleaning supply, everything from cleaning supplies. One of the ideas we've had is up and down that bottom, there's young people that have um, 4-H and FFA projects. We're collecting money to kind of help uh, them get back on their feet as they're beginning their farming careers. So so the, the recovery will take months and years and it's going to be very, very expensive. Yeah, Director Chen was on with us last week talking about the number of acres uh, underwater. I mean, it's just amazing. In just that corner of the state, how many thousands of acres are underwater? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, the, the bottom is some places 8 or 10 miles wide, some places closer to 30. It is just all underwater for, for uh, miles and miles, so it's a huge, huge part of uh, productive farmland in northwest Missouri that's been affected. Again, Blake, tell us about uh, that fund that you've set up and how people can uh, contribute to that. 
uh, MOFB.org and then slash flood if you want to go that far. But just go to our homepage there, and we'll uh, we'll direct you to where the fund is. We'll, like I say, the money will be used uh, for for kids who are trying to recover from this, and we'll also, I'm sure, be helping with uh, cleaning supplies and just things to get people back on their feet. Uh, and you know, one of the important things we got to do is get funding for the ECP, the Emergency Conservation Program. They're actually out of funding. Uh, that doesn't repair structures, but it helps farmers. Uh, clean their land, get rid of the sand deposits, restore some of the interior drainage. Uh, we'll need emergency appropriations uh, to repair the to repair the levees. We're seeing a, an emergency bill go through the go through the you know Congress now. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some money added uh, to help deal with these problems and uh, get started on building our back. Yep, a lot of need there for sure. All right, Blake, thank you for the update. You bet. Thank you. Blake Hurst, president of the Missouri Farm Bureau. So we've looked at the flooding conditions and recovery efforts in Nebraska and Missouri. We'll turn our attention to the state of Iowa next. Mike Nag is the uh, Secretary of Agriculture for the state of Iowa. He'll join us next for an update. Be sure to stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Soybean growers are going all-in on Ingenia herbicide. Now BASF is going all-in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee so you can have true peace of mind. And you can tap into our expanded Grow Smart Rewards program and get cash back. Go all-in today at IngeniaHerbicide.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so, so far today we've had updates from Nebraska and Missouri. Let's get an update on flooding in the state of Iowa. Joining us is Mike Nag, Iowa Secretary of Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Director, can you uh, give us an update uh, across your state of Iowa, where the flooding is at and the, the situation in those areas? Oh, absolutely, and good to be uh, good to be with you this morning. And yeah, it continues to be a challenging time in, in multiple places across the state of Iowa. You know, uh, primarily we're looking uh, at really extensive flooding in southwest Iowa along the Missouri uh, River. Uh, really looking at south of Council Bluffs in particular, um, and that's been a real challenge for communities down there, but also, of course, our our egg producers. Uh, livestock and crop producers as well. So that's an area that we're really watching uh, very closely, although uh, the good news is I believe the water is starting to recede. So we've seen the crest there. Uh, But our attention then shifts uh, north, and we look at uh, northwest Iowa, north-central Iowa, as as water uh, comes down out of Minnesota with the snow uh, pack melting. And so watching those uh, rivers very, very closely up there. And then, of course, uh, the Mississippi uh, is always a, a challenge uh, this time of year and will continue to be so as well this year. So really looking along that Missouri uh, southwest uh, area in particular, the northwest corner of the state, and along the Mississippi at a couple locations. So been a very, very challenging uh, time for producers all across the state. What can you tell us about damage assessment and some of the efforts underway to help? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, obviously really early in the process in terms of getting a complete assessment of a damage, especially to our, our ag, uh, 
you know, operations. Uh, the governor had submitted a disaster request to the president, uh, you know, and, and totaling uh, somewhere around $1.6 billion, including that's everything, you know, and infrastructure and cities and, and ag, ag uh, producers as well. But that, that's something we're very interested in and watching very closely is how much land was impacted. How about those livestock facilities that are, uh, you know, were impacted? And of course, the the big issue that we're really looking at is uh, what about some of the stored grain that was damaged, and uh, what kind of assistance could we possibly provide for uh, for producers? So those are all things that we're looking at, uh, and uh, you know, it's a, obviously a tough time, economically devastating to those producers who are impacted by flooding. Yeah, you, that's a topic I've been bringing up. A question I've been asking: What do you do with that contaminated grain? Yeah, well. So it's uh, once it's uh, been in contact with flood water, it's uh, considered adulterated by FDA, and it can't be used. And that's important to make sure we we are clear about that. That you know we don't want to create a, then a feed or food safety issue by using that grain. Uh, so that's uh, that's again that's very devastating to folks because uh, you know crop insurance doesn't reach into the bin, and and uh, for the most part, it's possible to have insurance coverage or a flood rider on your insurance policy, but probably pretty rare that that's happening so for the most part this stored grain is not covered and uh, so it's a loss economically and you have to look at how do you dispose of it a couple different ways to do that we can look at landfilling or land applying uh, that grain so those are things that local conditions will will dictate we're talking with iowa secretary of agriculture mike neg uh mr secretary when you look at uh transportation in those areas we've heard about roads and bridges and other states uh being uh, wiped out pretty much and people not being able to get around is that a, an issue in parts of iowa it, it is you know a couple a couple things there right you've got uh, issues around roads that are just not accessible because of flood water or because you've had you know damage to that roadway or bridges and we know that that's again happening and and maybe we don't have a uh, total assessment of that but that absolutely is real uh, for some of our livestock producers we know that they literally cannot get to their facilities and so that's created some challenges in getting feed uh, using boats uh, you know to do that maybe even looking at reinforcing or building up some roads to get there those are all things that are happening in that flood area but uh, we've had issues uh, all across the state uh, with soft uh, gravel roads that have created a lot of challenges of getting feed in and animals in and out. And that's something that our producers really everywhere in the state have been dealing with the last few weeks. Now it's starting to firm up some, but uh, that has really been a challenge for, for folks all across the state. And with more water to come, obviously this is going gonna, gonna to be a long-term issue. It is, but two things there, right? One, for folks who are flooding today, uh, it, this is a long recovery, and and there's just uh, that's that's the devastating part of this, right? There, there's you know the challenging. It's hard to imagine any sort of normal crop year this year for those folks. Livestock facilities that are damaged, uh, you know, this is uh, something that will take time, and we're committed to being with those folks and helping them out through the long run here. And uh, and then, as you correctly point out, we've still got situations in the state where we need folks to be watching what's happening with uh, streams in their area, uh, be mindful of that, moving livestock, moving feed if they need to, moving grain. Uh, we're not done with this flooding uh, yet this spring, and uh, it could be moving into some other parts of the state. So we need to have vigilance, uh, you know, in folks for folks, uh, really all across the state. 
there are so many needs in situations like this, and then there's also the challenge of, of knowing where to go, who to ask, uh, how to access the help that is available. Uh, what can you tell folks about that? Yeah, that's a, that is one of those great challenges, and, and uh, it becomes an alphabet soup of federal programs and agencies, right? Uh, it's good to have that kind of support, but it can be challenging. And so uh, for, our, for our farmers, really one of the most important things they can do is to be getting into their USDA uh, county office and, and letting them know what's happening and what their needs are because they can they are really the best contact point for uh, helping sort through what USDA can provide. Uh, the other place to go is always with that uh, county emergency management apparatus. Uh, you know, there's any number of, of different programs through FEMA uh, that might be available, and, and so that's really you've got to go to those couple of places. We're also making information available on our website, uh, iowaagriculture.gov, to help folks kind of sort through that as well. But that can be a great challenge just to figure out where to go and uh, how, to, how to access these programs. But the good news is there's some help that's out there. Mr. Secretary, thank you for your time, and we will stay in touch to keep people updated. Thank you very much. Thank you. Iowa Secretary of Agriculture, Mike Nag. All right, we'll be following this story for some time to come. Uh, in these three states, Nebraska, Missouri, and Iowa, and other states impacted by the flooding as well. Other issues that we'll cover tomorrow as well, including trade and market development. I hope you'll join us right here on Adams on Agriculture.